I know that's different than what we're used to, where we just migrate wherever we want to go and greet everybody, and we're like, oh, i got to get over there. Um, yeah, well, next week, you're going to have all the time in the world before service to be able to get together and, and fellowship out in the foyer, and then after service fellowship, and, and be able to see the people you haven't seen because they're in the other service. But... Uh, don't be surprised if somebody is sitting in your seat next week or parking in your parking spot next week. You know, we just need to rejoice that God is continuing to do what he's doing and, and enjoy the time that we can have to unite both parts of the, the body here. Um, unity is so important. We've been learning about the fear of the Lord and how that affects unity, produces unity, and unity uh, usually moves the body of Christ into revival where lives are changed and, and people are saved. And uh, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing because we're seeing that. We're seeing in our society the, uh, the work of people that are truly fearing God, truly reverencing God and hungry for God and and honoring God and seeking God, making God a priority and a value above other things and allowing him to influence them more than anything else. Um, and that's part of what the, the fear of the Lord is. Uh, and, and because of that, it's a foundation. It's a foundation for us. Uh, without the fear of the Lord, uh, we are not going to be able to be what God has for us to be. And if we're not what we're supposed to be, we can't do what God has for us to do. But this morning... Um, I just want to share a few quotes with you about the fear of God. John Witherspoon said, the fear of God is the greatest antidote against the fear of man. You know, the Bible tells us that the fear of man is a snare. Uh, we're afraid of people because we don't have the fear of God. When we fear God, we don't have to be afraid of people. That would be a great release for some of you today. Uh, another one is the fear, fear of men weakens us, but the fear of God strengthens us. The fear of men weakens us. It causes us to be cowards. causes us to be unsure. When we're afraid of people, we just kind of huddle down. But when we fear God, when we reverence God, when we honor God, when we respect God, when, when we value God above others and we love and worship God and we let God influence us and we realize, like we sang, God, God doesn't fail. God has the victory. And as we are intertwined with God because of our fear of him, because of our reverence and, and awe of him, all of a sudden there comes a security to our lives, a stability to our lives in a world that is very unstable and losing security all the time. Banks are failing. Some of you are like, I didn't want to come here and hear that. I, I wanted to get away from hearing stuff like that. I want you to know as a Christian, you will be very aware of where your trust and hope is. We just sang, all my hope is in you. Jesus, he is, is our hope. God is our hope. But when we see things like banks failing or we see catastrophes or, or whatever they are, and, and we start to get anxious and fear starts to rise up in us because, oh my gosh, I wonder what the next one is and what the next one is. And we hear all this bad news on the news. I'll tell you, you got to pick what you listen to. And a lot of it, we don't need to be listening to. Well, I, I won't know what's going on. I'm going to tell you something. You don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. We, we, we can only contain so much, and most of the stuff we're being fed by most of the things that are out there is not going to help us. What we need to know more than anything else is what's God doing? What's God said? What's God doing? And what will God do? Because in the midst of what's happening in the world, which is not God's doing, the enemy's come to steal, kill, and destroy. He's the one that brings chaos. God's the one that brings order and unity. And if you are praying for this world to be in peace again, don't waste your prayers. We're never told to pray for the peace of the world. We are told to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We as Christians can thank God for the peace that passes all understanding that guards our hearts and our minds because we trust in him. But this world, God has said in his word, is growing darker and more desperate all the time. 
Darkness will cover the earth and gross darkness the people. It has to get that way because people have to get desperate to turn to God. And the enemy is out there to steal, kill, and destroy. So I know, I know we do a lot of things, but we better find out what we're doing. Is what we're doing biblical? Because if not, then we're, we're wasting the resources that God's given us to be able to do what he has for us to do. And so this is going on, but God has for you as a Christian, one who is redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, one who is filled with the Holy Ghost, one who is a joint heir with Jesus Christ, to be able to stand in the midst of all this chaos, all this confusion, all this fear, all this instability, where, where the Bible says darkness will cover the earth and gross darkness of people. But arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. You and I are to be a light in this darkness. We're supposed to be a peculiar person, not weird, unique, because we aren't, we aren't freaking out because stuff is happening because we don't depend on the banks. We depend on God. But you don't understand my money's in the bank. It doesn't matter. Oh, it does matter to me. Hear me. God revealed to us through Israel when he took them through the wilderness that no matter what the environment you find yourself in, he will always provide for your needs. You know what? They left Egypt with all this gold. You know what the gold was able to do for them in the wilderness? Nothing. But they did use it to build the tabernacle. They used it for various things. But God, God took care of their every need. God has not changed. He will take care of your needs. Supply them all according to his riches and glory. And so, yeah, don't, don't, don't get overly stressed out about what's going on because your God is bigger than whatever you face. And he's better than we ever dreamed he is. Oswald Chambers said, the remarkable thing about fearing God is that when you fear God, then you fear nothing else. Man, there are a lot of things to fear. How would you like to be free of that fear? Then put it aside, focus on God, reverence God, honor God, respect God. Make him your priority, your greatest value and treasure. The, the one who influences you before and more than anything else. Have a fervent, devoted love and worship of him. And then have an awe of him. An awe of him. And that's one of the things that we have, have kind of lost. This, this high respect of the most high God. And we've, we've, we've lost it because we've majored on something which we needed to, which was God loves us. God's near to us. God cares about us. He's, he's closer than a brother. And that's important. But with all this, all of a sudden, we become so familiar with him, we lose the respect and awe of him that we need. Because I hear people calling God the big guy. Now, that's a disrespect. If that's how we see God as the big guy, then we need to understand we'll get what the big guy can give us. But if you see him and know him as the king of kings and the Lord of lords, almighty God who conquered hell and death in the grave, then there's a whole lot more you can, you can receive from him. Because we don't recognize, because we don't reverence God the way we, we should, and we've read scripture with, that it says we do this for our benefit. This is for our benefit. If we don't recognize who he is, we won't receive what he has for us. And so we've been learning about this, about the fear of the Lord and, and how important it is and how the fear of the Lord leads to, within the body of Christ, leads to a unity and that unity begins to move out into the community.
and we have revival, we have lives changed, we have people saved, and this is what's happening in our communities all over. But it started out with people hungering for God, wanting God, elevating the, the desire for God above other things where they would leave. They would, they would leave this and that and go for days. Well, I don't know if I have days. Well, I understand we all have a busy schedule. But God's looking. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro across all the earth, searching. Who's he looking for? Man, there are a lot of people here, Lord. Are you looking for any of us? He says, I'm looking for those whose hearts are fully turned towards me. Fully given to me that I can show myself strong on their behalf. You know, the Lord's coming back. We don't know how, how much time we have before he returns. It could be today. It could be next year. It could be years from now. I don't think it is because of all the things prophetically that are going on that point to the fact that we are in the last of the last days. But none of us know. But we need to be prepared. Because we, we, we tend to get serious about stuff when it gets closer. You know, in the year 2000, when, in 1999, in December, uh, when it was about to turn to the year 2000, people were freaking out. And it may have been you. But people are just, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Because you know our computers are all going to go down and there's going to be chaos in our infrastructure. And, 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 blah, 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 blah. and we woke up January 1st, and guess what? Nothing. But it caused people to get serious for a moment. Take stock of their life and say, geez, do I need to make an adjustment? We shouldn't have to have something that's looming right in front of us for us to look at our lives and help, have God help us, search us, oh God, and show us if there's any way in us that is hindering you from having your way. We've been, we've been doing that. We need to continue to do that because we need to make alignments, adjustments with God. And this is, this is one of the biggest ones because it's foundational to us. In the book of Ecclesiastes, which Solomon wrote, he wrote three books, the Song of Solomon, the book of Ecclesiastes, and Proverbs, which is the book of wisdom. And, and Ecclesiastes was about Solomon's search in the latter part of his life, trying to find out what was the most important thing, what's really valuable, because he had everything. He was the smartest guy of his time. He was the richest guy of his time. And he thought, there's got to be something else out there. And, and at the end of the book, we read what he found after all of his searching through all the indulgences and everything else. He says in verse 13, now has, has been... Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. The conclusion of the matter is fear God, keep his commandments. For this is the duty of all mankind. Now, again, I know, I know sometimes people say, well, you know, you keep going over the same stuff. I do. I do. Because that's what I believe God wants me to do for two reasons. If we're just hearing this stuff and our lives aren't changing, then we're deceiving ourselves. And we need to hear this and continue to make adjustments because there are major adjustments in our lives for us to walk in a way where we fear God. How we treat one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. How we treat people that God loves that are coming into the body of Christ. Not Christians yet, but they're ripe for the harvest. And how we treat God. Goes on to say, for this is the duty of all mankind. Leaves none of us out. And then it goes on to say, and I didn't share this with you before, but it says, for God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Yeah, uh-oh. That's, that's like the other scripture that tells us that God is going to judge every idle word we speak. Does that cause anything to happen in you? Because it causes stuff to happen in me. I read this and I'm like, oh, whoa. There are some things I need to make an adjustment in. Because if I say I fear God, I say I love God, I say I respect God, I say I honor God, then there are some things that dishonor God that I'm doing. 
and it's not just me. In each of our lives, there are things that we need to put away. Because if we keep things that don't honor God, then what we're creating is an idol. Something that we are valuing and worshiping more than God. And that will rob our lives of the very thing that Jesus died for, which is abundant life. And so we, we need to realize how important, how foundational, how instrumental this is for us to be prepared for what's ahead. And in the book of Revelation, John, John writes this and he says, Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach. Now, it wasn't a little baby with a diaper to the little wings. These things are magnificent creatures. They are created. But when people would see angels, they would fall as dead because of the glory. And so this angel is flying through heaven. And he's got the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, every tribe, every tongue, and people. And this is what he's saying loudly. Fear God. Give glory to him. For the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea, and the springs of water. So we see at the end, the same message is still fear God, worship him, honor him. This is the everlasting gospel to the people of the earth. When we, when we fear God, we honor him. We honor Jesus. We honor the sacrifice he made. We, we recognize that we don't trample it under our feet. We don't disregard it. We don't just ignore it. We recognize that we receive the work done by Jesus on the cross, and we adjust our lives to be able to bring glory and honor back to God by the way we live. When we do that, not only do our lives change, there is an outward effect on other people. It should, should have an effect on other people where it impacts their, their lives. And, I, and I've given you this, but I, I'm going to run out of time. So quickly, if you would just summer flash up the definition of the fear of the Lord. Uh, there are cards that have this on it in the foyer. You can pick one up. Uh, but the fear of the Lord is, and I gave you this definition, the preeminent adoration, which preeminent means first in priority, value, and influence. There's nothing more important, more valuable, and more influential in our lives than God. And the reason why that is is because it's good for us. When God influences us, we have abundant life. When he doesn't, we, we experience a loss. The enemy steals from us. Adoration, a fervent, devoted love and worship of God. There are a lot of things that we, we are devoted to, that, that we, we, we make priority in our lives, and we need to adjust that. And then awe, and we're not going to talk about this today, but the awe of God is the veneration, the exaltation, the trepidation, and the magnification. And I just got those words out. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> and they're big words. But I, I, as, as I was studying and praying, this is what kept coming to me, that these words were so valuable for us to see what it actually means because we need to be in awe of God. When was the last time you were in awe of anything? I mean, just like, oh. But I want you to know that that needs to happen every day because you and I connect with the creator of the universe. Not the president or the king of a nation. Not a governor. All of those people should have respect. But I'm talking about the one above them all. 
the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You know, there's something that happens oftentimes when, when I am talking with people. They've asked for, uh, you know, can we have a meeting? And I'll say, sure, just let us know when you're available and we see what we can open up for you. And, and we'll walk in to just sit down to talk and they're like, oh, I'm going to the principal's office. And there is, there is a hesitation. That's about the awe. There's a hesitation. There's, it's just not like I'm skipping in. Hey, hey, what's going on? You know, when we worship God, we are, we are truly, God inhabits the praises of his people. Just a few minutes ago, when we were worshiping God, when we were singing to God, God is like, I'm here. I'm here. But what if he really was here? What if physically Jesus' presence was manifest right there? I think there would be a change in all of us. I really do. I, I totally believe that we would, if we were able to stand, we would do it with great fear and trembling. This is the Lord who died for me. He's right here. I don't even want to breathe. I, I, don't, I, don't, want, I don't want to do anything wrong. I don't want to disturb what's going on. And he is. He's always right here with you. Right here with me. Right here with us. Because he lives in us. And yet... When we, when we really have the fear of the Lord, it will make us flee from evil, depart from evil in Proverbs 3, 7. It'll cause us to hate evil because when we fear God, we love what God loves and we hate what God hates and God hates evil, but God loves people. By the fear of the Lord, we depart from evil and the fear of the Lord leads to life. All of these are in Proverbs, but this is what, what the fear of the Lord does. And that's why it's so important to have this. Like I said, these cards are going to be out there. You can take them, keep them with you. I keep them with me so that I am reminded. I am, I am so reminded of, of things that we have spoken about and I've shared that I'm doing wrong because it's become a habit. And I'm not honoring God, and I want to. I've told God so many times, God, I need your help. I, I, I just want to be devoted to you. I, I want you to have the preeminence. I want to adore you. I want to walk in awe of you. I want to fear you. I want to know you, and I want to make you known. And that's the cry of my heart. And when, when, when that happens, we start to see things that, that are misaligned, that need to change, that need to be adjusted to be able to line up with what we say. God, I want this. I want this. I want this. And yet... God offers us an understanding of, okay, if you want this, then this has to go. Because contrary to American popular opinion, you can't have it all. I can't have it all. You know, I learned that at the grocery store. I did. I was walking through the grocery store. I walked in. I just had a few things to get, and I didn't want a basket, and I didn't want a cart. And so in my pride, I said, I can handle this, and I'm going to get everything I need. And I got out there, and I got partway through, and I've got stuff that I needed, and then stuff that I wanted, and stuff that I didn't need. <laughs> and the next thing I put on, I lost three. And I'm scurrying around trying to figure out how can I get these all up here, and I'm looking to see if anybody left their basket for a moment <laughs> or their cart is there anybody that I could borrow their cart from <laughs> and I didn't find one so I had to humble myself and go back and get one of those little baskets and then put everything in but you can't have it all so what do you have to do you have to determine what's most important what's most valuable in your life because you can only hold so much. And the thing that we need to hold on to more fully, 
more consistently than anything else is God. Because he's the only one that will give you life. Everything else will cost, cost you. But in 1 Peter 2, verse 15 through 17, we began to look at this last week, and we didn't get through it, so we're going to go back to it. And verse 15, it says, it is God's will, not God's desire, it's God's will. This is what God wants. This is what he wants. If we say we love him, we want to give him what he wants. Thank you for those amens. No, I'm not expecting them. This is God's will that your honorable lives should silence the ignorant people who have made foolish accusations about you. Honorable lives. Oh, these are lives that are honorable. Who do they honor? That's right. But many times we want to live a life that's honorable that everybody gives us the honor. But understand that whenever anybody is blessed by us or helped by us or encouraged by us or somehow impacted by our lives, where does every good and perfect gift come from? Oh, yeah, God. It comes from God. And so when, when that happens, we've let God have his way. And when that happens, not only do we let God have his way, we've got to let people know who was the instigator, who was the source. Because if not, they're going to start to get their eyes on us and be drawn towards us. And we don't need people drawn towards us. We need people drawn towards Jesus. The Bible says, if Jesus will be lifted up from the earth. Now, that was speaking literally on the cross, but it talks about our lives every day. If we'll lift him up, we'll let, we'll let him have the preeminence in our life. We'll adore him. We'll live in awe of him. Then all of a sudden, our lives will begin to radiate and impact and impart to people around us. Not what we have, but what he has. We're blessed to what? Be a blessing. We heard that earlier. And that's the truth. And that's where we've got we've to have a bigger perspective than just us. Because we've got somebody bigger than any of our perspectives living in us, and that's God. And he wants to enlarge Enlarge your view to take in some of his view. So we're to live honorable lives. Verse 16, live like free people, but don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Live as those who are what? Serving God. So we're honoring God by our life. We're serving God in our freedom. We're not going after everything everybody else is going after because we love God too much to go after those things that will rob his beloved. And who's his beloved? That's right. Each one of you are his beloved. Some of you have a hard time accepting that, but you are loved by God deeply and completely. Nothing you can do can change that. And, and so... We need to show people our love for God, our fear of God, our honor of God, our respect for God, that we would not do what dishonors him. Now, please understand, it's not easy because most of us live in the moment. We allow our, our soul and our body to influence. The Bible says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And there are things we just gravitate towards. And those are things we need to cut off by turning to God, submitting ourselves to God, and then resisting that temptation. Because we're already focused and following God, we can't do two things. Contrary to all the information that you can multitask, you can't do two things at the same time. All we do is switch quickly. So don't switch. Just stay on track with God. Just stay devoted to God. Stay adoring God. Stay in awe of God. Give God the preeminence. Every, every choice we make, allow him to have the preeminence. Adore him. Be in awe of him. And stay on track. Then in verse 17 it says, show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God and honor the emperor. We left off at this last week where we talked about the fact that 
the most important thing in that list is fearing God. It's the foundation, like we found out in, in Ecclesiastes. In Ecclesiastes, in the Amplified Translation, it, it tells us something that is very enlightening. And I have to find it, so hang on just a second. Here in the, in the Amplified, it says, Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the, the full original purpose and the whole duty of every man. The full original purpose. That's what we were created for. And so that's, that's the number one thing to, to, to fear God. To absolutely honor him, exalt him, venerate him, and magnify him. And have a healthy fear of him. Which produces unity. And we talked about unity in, in the body of Christ because of the fear of God. Because when we fear God, we show respect for God. And we realize that in our brothers and sisters, in every believer that we come in contact with, God is in residence. And in Matthew chapter 25, verse 40, we looked at what the scripture said where Jesus said... I, I was naked and you clothed me. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was in prison and you visited me. And they said, Lord, when did we see you? And he said, if you've done it to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you've done it unto me. But what I didn't read to you is what comes after verse 40. Verse 41 through, I think it's 44. It's the opposite. When, when, when did we not see you? When did we see you naked and not clothe you? When did we see you hungry and not feed you? When did we see you thirsty and not give you drink? And he said, if you didn't do it to the least of these, you didn't do it to me. So whether good or bad, whatever we do, it's, it's, it's unto him. And so with God who resides in us by his spirit... When I do something to another believer, Jesus said, that, that was me. Didn't you notice? Didn't you recognize that was me? Is, is that really the way you want to treat me, your Lord? Even to the point where he told Saul, the future apostle Paul, why are you persecuting me? And he wasn't. He was persecuting the church, but Jesus took it personally. He said, why are you persecuting me? So what we do to each other as believers in Christ, we're doing to the Lord. That ought to wake us up. We can't be treating each other that way anymore. It doesn't matter if you're a Republican and they're a Democrat. Man, you're Christians before that. It doesn't matter if you're white or brown or green or blue or purple or yellow or orange. It doesn't matter. You're a Christian. And we need, we need to love one another. The very fact that God loves us, we should love each other. And in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, this is a very familiar portion of Scripture. I, I remember as a kid singing this song. I remember the kids here singing this song. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. That's pretty clear, isn't it? So if we don't love, we don't know God. So every time we choose not to act lovingly, and when I talk about love, I'm talking about the character of God, which when we look at God, how do we see him? We see him as merciful and patient. We see the fruit of the Spirit because it's the fruit of God. Loving, kind, joyful, merciful, patient, generous, faithful, self-controlled and when we don't act that way we're showing we don't love God and we don't recognize God when when I am at my worst I'm looking at my wife because she's around me a lot she doesn't see just this she sees this and this is not what I want to be. Again, I, I'm, I'm doing much better 
with my driving. Now, see, she's even shaking her head. Yeah, yeah, you're doing better. Good boy. But there are still those moments that, you know, I've got people on my road doing stuff that they shouldn't be doing on my road. What are you doing? Get out of my road. You're right. It's not mine. That's just the pride in me thinking that everybody ought to do what I do because it's the best thing to do. But it's not. And if I'm going to be loving, I am going to defer to somebody else. I'm going to, I'm going to let them have. But <laughs> Pastor Gabe is up here cringing because he and I are brothers. Hey, come here. Come here, come here, come here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't we look alike? <laughs> Don't we sound alike? No. <laughs> Can't see the difference. There you go. Got it from the daughter. <laughs> but, you know, we treat people in ways that are just... Do you think any of that stuff is going to go on in heaven? You think we're going to get to the gates and, and we're going to be like, get out of my way, I'm going in. You know, like Black Friday. <laughs> so we, 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 we've, got, we've got to love one another. But then it goes on in verse 11 and 12, says this. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. I'm going to tell you something. God so loves the people that we have so little patience for that rub us the wrong way, that just need to get a life. But you know what? They have a life. They have Jesus. This is talking again about brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to love one another. Then it goes on to say, no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us. We did a long teaching on abiding. And his love has been perfected, matured in us. So that, that says people don't see God. When they see God, what they're actually seeing is the effects of God in your life and my life. And if there are no good effects of God in our lives, they're not going to see God. Seeing God is like seeing the wind. How many of you have ever seen the wind? Thank you for your honesty. We don't see wind. We see the effects of wind. We see wind because we say, oh, look at the trees blowing. Look at the grass blowing along. And it's the same way with God. They don't see God directly, but they see the effects of God in your life and my life. Or the lack of them. And so we, we, need, we need to be people that love one another because God loves. We need to love what God loves and hate what God hates. You know, when I, before I married Debbie, I, I would... I would go shopping, but my shopping wasn't like her shopping, okay? I would hunt. I knew what I was going after. I went right into the mall of the store, and I went right to it, grabbed it, I caught it, and I took it. I, I did pay for it, but I took it. <laughs> and, and one of the things that I found out was, I love Debbie, and I love, there's nothing better for me than spending time with her. It's the best time of my day that I get to spend with her. And, and she knows that because I tell her that. I also have a little, little uh, sign above the inside of our bedroom door saying that this is the best time I have of the day, the time I spend with you. And so I, in spending time with Debbie, found out that she doesn't shop like I shop. Because when we started to go shopping, she said, let's go shopping. And I was like, what are we going for? Let's just go shopping. Let's just look. Okay, honey. And we would go in, and Debbie would just, she was having a ball. Look at this. This is so soft. 
and soft. Is that what we're going to get? No, we're just looking. And, and it was, I'm telling you, it was hard. Because I just wanted her to tell me, what, what, what is it that you want? I'll get it. I'll get it. I'll get it. We'll get it. We'll go home. You know, I felt like a bird dog. <laughs> I'm pointing at stuff. This is pretty. Yeah, it's nice. And there are times we just walk out with nothing. <laughs> nothing. Like, where's the stuff? <laughs> but I want to tell you something. I have matured. I have changed. It's not about the capture. It's the joy in the journey. Because, you know what? It doesn't matter if we're sitting on the couch or we're watching a movie or we're eating dinner or we're shopping. I'm with my wife, and it's the best time of my day. And I needed to make an adjustment because I love her and I want to love what she loves. And because she enjoys doing that, I had to learn how to enjoy doing that. It's what we do with God. If we really love God, we're going to want to do what God wants to do. We're going to love what God loves. We're not going to be like, God, what's next? Come on, come on, come on. Because guess what? God's always on time. God always does things perfectly. And we, we have a tendency to be so freaked out about time. But there's enough time to do everything that God has for us to do. So we, we need to love one another. But in, in verse 20 and 21, this is, this is a really tough part of this. It says, if someone loves God, someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. He does not love his brother. If he, he who does not love his brother who he has seen, how can he love God who he has not seen? And this is the commandment that we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother. So if we don't, don't love the brother that we see, we don't love God. If we say we hate, and that's a strong word because, you know, I would say, if I asked you today, is there anybody you really hate? Some of you would say, yeah, there are a few people I really hate. But we can't get off the hook if we don't have this real intense aversion to somebody because this word hate is a very unique word. It, it does mean to loathe. And you may say, well, I loathe people, not love. Uh, dislike, to disregard or to have an aversion to. When, when we disregard or have an aversion, uh, it, it's just a hesitancy to want to be around them because we got something going on. There's something not right in our relationship with them. And when we don't have a right relationship with other believers, we don't have a right relationship with God. We can't say, I don't like them, but I love you. Because God loves them. And understand, God doesn't love them for everything they do. God just loves them. And we're supposed to learn how to love one another whether they do good to us or bad to us. Jesus hung on the cross for all of us. Is that right? And what did he say? Father, get them. Forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Do you know that that's the whole thing that you and I have to carry with us all the time? Because when they do what they do to you, they're doing it to God. And if they thought they were doing it to God, they'd never do it. But they don't know what they're doing. And when you and I do what we do to each other... We don't know what we're doing because we're doing it to God and we would never do it to him. And so we need to cut it out. There needs to be forgiveness. If there's not forgiveness, there's not going to be unity. And there's not going to be health in our lives because we don't forgive. And the last thing we're going to look at this morning in, in verse uh, 17 of 1 Peter cha chapter 2, uh, it, it says this. Could we go back, Summer? Thank you. So we fear God. 
We love the family of God. And then the next one is show proper respect to everyone. I want to tell you something. There are a lot of things that are being done out in the world to try and take care of all the ills and all the, the wrong things that have been done to everybody. But if we would just follow what God's word says, because all those things are eventually going to fail. The only thing that will last is God and his truth, his word. And he says, show proper respect to everyone. Honor to everyone. No matter what their, their economic disposition is, no matter what their race is, their ethnicity, no, no matter what, no matter what they do, we're supposed to show a respect. And you may say, how do I show respect for people that don't respect me? Because you don't operate as a child of God based on what you get from anybody. That's our old life. That's what we did in the world. We just responded to what somebody did to us. And we are not owned by them. We are not motivated by them. We are not directed by them. We are not governed by them. We are not guided by them. We are governed and guided and directed by God. And what we receive from God, the Bible tells us, freely you have received, freely you what? Give. And that, that means that we don't, we, we, when something happens to us, it is a sign that something has to happen in us that the Spirit of God begins to control us and flow out of us, that we no longer react to just the things that are going on because then we're not honoring God. We're honoring the enemy in his way. And so we need to show proper respect for everyone or honor. Honor, and the word honor or respect is about value. Value. We've got to show value to people that don't even think they have any value. And many times when people hurt other people, it's because they're hurting, because they don't feel like they're worth anything or everybody's done everything to them and all this. We need to be the ones that in that moment present God to them who loves them regardless of what they do. I don't know if I can do that. Yeah, we can because the Bible says the one who lives in you, the spirit of God, the presence of God that lives in us, floods our hearts with the love of God. That's that unconditional love. But what we have to do is push aside our conditional love that we tend to operate in because we're human and say, all right, God, not my love, but your love. I want your love to show. I want you to show because I honor you. I respect you. I prioritize you, value you, want you to influence me more than I want to influence myself or my anger or what anybody else does. And in Romans chapter 3, verse 7, in the MEV translation, he says, render or give to all what is due them. Taxes to whom taxes. It's tax day is coming. Uh, Respect to whom respect is due, fear to whom fear is due, honor to whom honor is due. So respect and honor, how do, we, how do we determine who to respect, who to honor, what value we give to everyone? You know, I can understand we give value to our brothers and sisters in Christ because God lives in them. But understand this, that every human being deserves respect and value without exception. And not on a sliding scale. Because God set the value of every human being. And the moment we don't acknowledge and we don't honor the value God set, we dishonor God. We end up dishonoring people. And we end up blowing our witness as Christians. Because we prefer this one over another one. We're supposed to esteem everyone above ourselves. Put other people first. Because in Genesis chapter, 27, chapter 1, verse 27, we see that the Bible tells us God created humans in his own image. He created them to be like him. He created male and female. That's the word of God. He's the one that created them. Listen, do you remember either you or a child in your family or somebody running to you with something they made, their masterpiece. Look, look, look. I remember getting off the bus and, and going to my mom and saying, Mom, look what I got. I, gave, I made this for you today in school. 
And she was like, oh, honey, that's, that's great. What is it? And we have a little ashtray, because both my parents were smokers, and I made an ashtray for them with a little picture on it, and it was a dog in the yard and one of those lawnmowers that went around this way. You had to push it. And the lawnmower had all these lines in front of it. And she said, what, what is that? Well, that's the blades on the lawnmower. Well, why aren't they in here? Because that's the only way I could draw it. <laughs> and I was so proud. I was looking that they had that ashtray out. I would, you know, if it was on the corner, I would put it right in the center. <laughs> it's my ashtray. I was so proud of my creation. I, 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 I loved what I Every human being is God's creation. There are no mistakes. And we dishonor God and we devalue human life because we murder children in the womb. Because we see somebody that doesn't look like us and we devalue them. But God made them. And we disrespect God when we do that. Do you know, if we would follow what God says, we wouldn't have any prejudice. Because there's no room for prejudice in the kingdom. So every human being is made in the image of God. Man, that is valuable. Why? What did God give? What did God give in exchange for human beings? His son. Jesus. Saved or unsaved, he gave his son. That's the value God placed on humanity, not saved people, humanity. And if that's the value he placed on them, we need to hold to that value because it's true value. And that's not a hardware store. There's a value God placed on people, and we need to acknowledge and honor that because when we devalue people, we dishonor God. When we dishonor God, we are fortifying the enemy's work. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's hard because of the way people treat each other. But we don't have an out. There's not an out in this. There's not a, well, there's an exception. No, there's no exception to honoring people, valuing people, and loving people. No exemption, no exception. And that, just in that, it's like, oh my gosh, God, that's impossible. And God wants us to know, yes, I understand. You're right. It is impossible for you but it's not impossible for me when you let me work with you, work in you, work through you. When you honor me to allow me to work in you and through you, then I do the impossible every day. The miracles? Man, it's a miracle sometimes that we don't do what we think about doing. Don't look at me that way. We all have things that we, we think about doing. And if you are not going to admit that, you are deceived beyond measure. But our lives are going to be tempted. And the only way we can pull away from temptation is to move towards God. When we honor God, we flee. We flee sin. In Matthew chapter 5, oh, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 6, verse, or 5, verse 6, it says this. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came and just at the right time died for us sinners. There are two things there I want you to notice. Utterly helpless. When you're utterly helpless, what good can you do? Yeah, you can't do any good. So when we weren't doing any good, and we were sinners. What do sinners do? Sin. <laughs> they actively do the opposite of what God wants. So when we can't do any good and we're doing actively the opposite of what God wants, everything that opposes God, Christ died for us. 
He, he gave himself for us. So in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44 and 45, it says this. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That's exactly what Jesus did. He died for all those that you may be sons and daughters of your Father in heaven. When we do that, when we bless and pray for and do those things for those that are so opposed to us, we're honoring God. And we can do it because God is working in us to love them the way he loves them. This isn't just you trying to love them. This is you allowing the love of God to fill your heart, to love them on behalf of God, to honor them on behalf of God. To, to value them on behalf of God because the enemy's working overtime and every one of us here knows, knows how he just tears up a life to cause us to feel like we have no worth and no value, which is a lie. It is a lie. And some of us have been living that lie and breathing that lie and thinking that lie and affirming that lie and it's so hard to get rid of the lie but you can when you know the truth that Jesus came when we were absolutely helpless could not do any good weren't doing any good and we were sinners we were doing bad actively and he valued us and died for us it's an amazing thing and if God did that for us, he wants us to do it for others. If we're going to follow him, we have to pick up our cross, deny ourselves, pick up our cross and follow him. Denying ourselves, die to ourselves. I, I, I'm going to take five more minutes, and I don't know if I can do it in five minutes, but, you know, we, we don't want to fall into the trap of say we, we fear God, we honor God, and yet our lives don't show it because that's a hypocrisy that the world sees in us. We say one thing, but we don't do what we say. There's a man that depicts this, and, and his name is Jonah. Anybody remember the story of Jonah, what happened to Jonah? Yeah, he got swallowed by the fish. Do you know why he got swallowed by the fish? He was running. And, and here's what happened. The first, in the first chapter, Jonah has the word of the Lord come to him. God comes to him, speaks a word to him, and says, go to Nineveh, uh, speak to them about all the sin that's going on. And immediately, immediately, he takes off to run, the Bible says, from the presence of the Lord. How dumb. Okay? So he's running from the presence of the Lord, and he goes to, anybody remember the name? Tarshish. That's where he's trying to get to because in that time, the Hebrews thought Tarshish was the ends of the earth. It was the ends of the civilized world at that time. And so he's on a ship, and they're headed out, and a storm hits the ship, and, and the guys on the ship are having a hard time, and they're throwing stuff over, and they finally get down to it, and they, they say, well, what's causing this? And they, they cast lots, and they find out that it's Jonah. And Jonah says, I am a Hebrew, and I fear God. Now, he's telling them in a very critical situation what he believes to be true, is it? No. Was he obedient to God? No. He disregarded God. He did not fear God. He disrespected God. He tried to run from God. And so they say, okay, you're our problem. Throw him over. He gets swallowed by the fish. He repents in the fish. Good place to repent. You don't want to stay there, right? So he repents in the fish. The fish goes over and vomits him out on the beach. Can you imagine what he looks like? After all the stomach acid of this fish, his skin's got to be just bleached and, and just in terrible shape. And the word of the Lord comes to him again and says, go to Nineveh and preach to the Ninevites that, that they would know their wickedness. And so this time he does obey God. He goes to Nineveh. He preaches to the Ninevites. There is a repentance to match all repentances. Everybody turns sackcloth and ashes. They repent before God. And Jonah has a pity party. Jonah's like, oh, no. 
I knew this was going to happen. That's why I didn't want to go. Let's paraphrase. And, and then he just sits down and he's like, no, I want to die. See, he didn't fear God. And when he didn't fear God, he didn't do what God said. And who did he endanger? The guys on the ship. And who did he almost cause to miss out on what God had intended to bless these other people with? The Ninevites. Why? Because in not fearing God, he didn't value anybody else. When you and I don't fear God, we will not value the people of God or the people coming to the kingdom of God. And in doing that, we will not be the people God has for us to be. And we won't do the things that God has for us to do. Like every head bowed, every eye closed. The only way we can do that is allow God to have his way in our lives. And that's because we invite him to. We recognize we have a need. We are all sinners. But God sent a savior, his name is Jesus, who lived a sinless life and paid the price for our sin and died on the cross. And he is waiting. He's loving us and waiting until we recognize our need for him and receive him as our Lord. We acknowledge that we've sinned, but we also acknowledge we can't live a life the way we need to. We need a Savior to do it. So if you're here or online, if you have never turned to Christ to trust in him, acknowledge that you've sinned, you've fallen short of the glory of God, and that Christ paid the price for your sins and you need him to come in to your life to be Lord and Savior of your life. If that's you, I just want to know who I'm praying for. We're all going to pray together, but if that's you, I just want you to lift your hand and say, that's me. I, 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 I need a new beginning. Let's pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son Jesus who came into the world lived a sinless life, and died on the cross for my sin. Father, I've sinned. I come to you to receive my forgiveness and restoration. As Jesus, I proclaim you Lord. Lord of my life, come into my life. From this day forward, I am yours. You are mine. Thank you for saving me. Guide me. Govern me. Guard me as I grow in your grace and in your knowledge. And I give you all the praise, glory, and honor. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer here, please let somebody know. If you prayed online, go to our website, reslifeny.org. Go down to where the prayer requests are. Uh, let us know that you prayed. If you want us to be able to pray for you by name, give us your name. And if you want us to contact you, give us some contact information. Would you stand? A couple of announcements before we go. Remember next week, if you arrive at the time you arrive today, you'll be late. You'll miss out on some great things before we even start the service. Uh, it's, it's, I'm excited about this because this is what God has been speaking to us about doing. And we're going to do it as long as we can until we just max the place out and have to go back to two services. But this is, this is, this is something that we just really believe. This is a combining the way God wants us to, to combine things. Uh, guys, remember about what's going on. Make yourself available to that. The little cards of the definition of the fear of the Lord are out there. And, um, you know, we're a family. And, and as a family, whenever we have somebody leave or, or go on or, or just separation between family is difficult. And uh, um, Arlo, <clears throat> you've all been praying for Arlo and for his family. And Arlo went on to be with the Lord. Arlo is experiencing the greatest glory anybody can experience. He is in his prime. He's not what he looked like here. 
We probably might not even recognize him there, but he's the best that he can be, which is awesome for him. But it's very hard for his family. And uh, just be praying, praying for the birds, for uh, Taylor and Shelby and uh, Rich and Wendy, Sean and Erica. Um, I can't, I can't imagine, but I know God's grace is enough, and I know God's people are faithful to pray. The Bible talks about us upholding one another in prayer, and so I would just ask you to do that and just be praying for the comfort of God to just fill and flood them with the peace of God and the truth of God. And also be praying for Beth Hatfield. Her mom is in the ICU, and, and things are, are very challenging there. It's kind of touch and go. But uh, I just want to pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your presence. We live in a world that is constantly changing, but you never change. Lord, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. You are faithful. You are loving. You are kind. You are merciful. You are generous. You are powerful. You are all-knowing. With you, all things are possible. And today, we thank you. We thank you for your presence with us, with the Bird family, with Beth. Father, with all of us as we, we battle in this world, but we know the battle belongs to you because you win everyone. And Father, we, we, we thank you that we can cast all our care upon you because you do care for us. And so, Father, right now, I thank you for each and every one of your people, those here, those online, that wherever we go, you're with us. Not only are you with us, you go ahead of us and you prepare the way. That, Father, you have ordained that Every day, we would be loaded with your benefits. You said that in your word. So we expect that. Healing, wholeness, peace, joy. That you would, you would redeem to the uttermost, work it for good. We thank you. We give you the glory and the honor. Help us in our daily lives and walk to honor you, to revere you, to fear you, to give you the preeminence and the adoration and the awe that you alone deserve always and forever. We thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen.